You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of B-School. I'm really excited about today's guest. Ali Porta is an interactive designer, but more recently, her passion has been to really share about her own self-acceptance journey and to inspire others to do so as well. So this is going to be a really great episode. I can already tell you that. I will say we're going to be talking about eating disorders. So depending on where you're at, if that's something that might be triggering for you, just a heads up that we will be talking about that in today's episode. Okay. Ali, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I love what you've been doing with Inner Workout. Like I think it's such a, a beautiful space that you have this podcast and all the you know, I love receiving your newsletter. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm excited that you're here. To give listeners context, I first met Ali a couple years ago at Shine Bootcamp. I've mentioned Shine before, but it's a really beautiful experience that Ali and two other women created to really empower women in their speaking careers, depending on how familiar you are with the speaking space, but especially in more of the tech speaking space, it's really male-dominated. And so they created this really awesome boot camp that allows women to get comfortable in speaking on a stage and really owning their expertise. So since we've met, Ali, you made some really big life decisions. Can you give us insight into what's changed since I first met you in 2018? Yes. 2018, I mean, we met at the first uh, Shine Bootcamp that we did outside, like our first real bootcamp in a way, which was like, a, it's a beautiful experience. The following year, I felt that I was feeling like I kept, I've tried, I had tried everything. Like I had tried dieting. I had tried doing like Weight Watchers. I, I even trained for a triathlon and a half marathon. I became vegan, vegetarian. I kept feeling that I wasn't enough. And it got me into this space that I was like, well, I'm, 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 I want to understand what's really going on because I'm, I keep trying all these exercises and diets and I just don't feel that I ever get to the ideal, and I put it in between quotes, the ideal weight. And I started um, researching about emotional eating and eating disorders, and I started realizing that I had patterns of an eating disorder that I kept like exercising. I had a toxic relationship with exercise where I would exercise all the time, and if I wouldn't do one day, I would feel really guilty. Or I, I was really concerned about gaining weight. It was a big fear of mine. Or I would uh, measure and count calories. So all of this were like signs of an eating disorder. So it got me into finding this place called Westwind, which is like an eating disorder recovery center. And I decided it was a hard decision because when I called, they were like, Ale, you kind of need to quit, like not quit your job, but like take time off from work and dedicate at least one month 
for recovery, only for you and recovery. So it took me a little bit to like get into terms with that about four months of like me figuring out how to ask at my job to take time off because it, it is like a hard thing to even bring up in a conversation. But anyways, long story short, I decided to go and I got there and I was like, one month is not enough. I need two months. So thank God at, at that time I used to work at a company called Clio and they're, they're really good at like people first companies. So they allowed me to take the time off that I needed as a mental health leave. And I went and I put myself there for two months. It was like a life changing moment, kind of like going back to university for yourself. That was a huge shift after we met. <laughs> and yeah, and now it's been like I quit my full time job and I left my four year um, relationship and engagement. And now I decided to move back to Nicaragua, where I'm originally from, to spend time with my family and, and heal a little bit more. That was really beautiful. Thank you for taking us along with you and sharing something that's so personal and vulnerable. I'm curious, how did you know that it was time for you to get outside support? Like it said, you, you said you started to realize that there are these patterns, but how did you know, like, okay, this isn't something I can just deal with by myself? So, this is like a journey that I've had. That I it started like long time. Like I when I was um, seventeen, I developed an eating disorder, um, bulimia, where I because I started drinking more and as a way to not get drunk, I would force myself to throw up. And before I knew it, I had bulimia. Something that my parents never found out. Nobody around me really found out. Maybe my closest friends. And I kind of stopped on my own when I went to university and I used to live in a family and I was embarrassed for them to hear me. So then I just stopped. But that's when I started having weight gain. And I went every time I would go back to Nicaragua, because I went to study in Toronto. So every time I would go back during vacations for two months, I would, in the first thing I would do, I would go and see a nutritionist to try to lose all the weight that I had gained. So this started at 17 up to, uh, let's say, 23, I would always do the same pattern. And even when I was, I finished my university and started working, I started, we got benefits at work. So then I, I would always see like um, a nutritionist. And I just kept feeling that it wouldn't really, like the weight was like, it, obviously, it was more internal work that I needed to do. It had nothing to do with food or even weight itself. It was more how I would see myself, but I never understood that until I went into the center. So I also started looking for therapy that would relate with relationship with food. And again, like I think I wouldn't follow up fast enough to, to really understand what would happen. I would go once every two months or every three months. So I just kept feeling like, the nutritionist wouldn't work, the therapy wouldn't work. And I was just fed up. Like I, there was a point that I was just like, well, I don't, I don't like how I'm feeling and I want to fix it. And I don't know how to do it. So I've tried, I did sugar cleanses. I, like I said, I became vegetarian, vegan, Weight Watchers. I tried a lot of, I was like, if I would get like an email about do a detox for 10 days. And then like I would buy the detox. I did juice cleanses and 
I remember for one week, I would only drink juices. There was another cleanse that I did that it was like a green powder with like, like a protein powder. And then you could only have like one um, green vegetable. And this was a naturopath that recommended this. So it's really tricky because you have naturopath, nutritionist, therapist, and sometimes it's, it's, it's the work, it's more like your inner work but it's hard to like nail it. Right. So I don't know. I think it was more like um, after a long time of trying trial and error and not feeling that it would get fixed. I just said, I'm done. I need to look for something more in like more in depth. That makes a lot of sense. So what for you was the most powerful part of your experience at the center? I remember like they, the center, it was just insane. Like they wouldn't like before going to the center, cause it took me like two months to get in because they only take in five people at a time. So there's a waiting list and you don't really know how long people are going to be in it. Cause some people, the minimum they say they recommend is three months and some people will stay five months. Other people will stay six months. Like it really depends on it's, on each person. So I was a little bit anxious waiting to get in. And I remember that I would, which they call it like a phase that you're in a diet rebel, where you just are like, all against diets, but then you end up binge eating everything because you're kind of like, fuck diets. And you're in this phase. And I was in that phase that I was like, eating a lot of pizza and just ordering all these quote unquote, junk food or bad food, because I was going to go into the center and everything was going to be clean eating and organic and homemade. And so I really needed to take advantage of eating all of this before I get into this place. Little did I know that when I get there, they're like, okay, so we don't believe in labeling food. We think that all food should be legalized. And there's not such a thing as good food or bad food. Every food is equal. And we have this method that it's called intuitive eating and where you use a hunger scale and it's all about like getting more in tune with how you feel and understanding your emotions. And then, so once I got there, to me, that was a big shock. Like the idea of like, what? I can eat whatever I want. And they have a whole method of like, healing your relationship with food and to heal your relationship with food you kind of need to like let go of any food rules that you have and as part of the process there is going to be a little bit of a weight gain because your body has been restricted for so long and once you're allowed you're you're actually nourishing it you will gain weight and you need to like be learn to be okay with that weight gain and kind of like learn to accept yourself with this weight gain. And that's also really challenging because your whole life you've had this idea that if you're fat is wrong. And they even make us do, there's a lot of exercises that we did. First in the morning, you would start with like gratitudes and affirmations and writing accomplishments. But there was one exercise that really blew my mind, which was like, you have, you write the word fat and you write the word slim and you start brainstorming all the, all the adjectives of how we would describe a slim person versus a fat person and when you see it written down 
it's just so unfair because the fat person, you would say, oh, they're lazy. They are not disciplined. They, they overeat. They don't take care of themselves. And the slim person you have, they're ambitious and they're disciplined and they're hardworking and they're successful. And it's, it's, it's so not fair. Like the, a fat person can be successful and can be ambitious. So it, that's like, a, to me, that was really powerful because it made me realize all these, which is called fat phobia, but it's like you have, I grew up like in Latin America, it's a society that is really body image driven. And there's a lot of, there's plastic surgery is really common or doing all these diets is really common. So in my family, I grew up with like I remember like my mom would would uh comment on her cellulite being like, Oh, this is so ugly and I need to like so if you grew up around that, then you kind of some people some people don't pay attention to it, but I it was inside of me that I would look at myself in the mirror and criticize. That's another thing that was really powerful. They asked me, When you see yourself in the mirror, what is it that you tell yourself? And I had never paid attention to this. I had never really thought about what is it that I tell myself when I look at myself in the mirror. And when you say it out loud, it's really, you realize that I was being really abusive to myself because I would say things like, oh my God, Alejandra, I can't believe you let yourself go. I can't believe you. You're full of stretch marks. You're so disgusting. You're so fat. And these things are horrible. Like if you talk to someone that you love this way, you can be really hurting. And then they talk about subjects like self-compassion. I had never heard about self-compassion. I mean, I had heard about self-compassion, but I never really understood it. And it's the whole idea of being kind to yourself and be forgiving. And at the end, it has nothing to do with food. It's more about being kind to yourself, being grateful, practicing like self-care and being understanding really how you're feeling. And then all of that will heal because you're more in tune with your emotions, then you will stop gradually, you'll stop looking for comfort in food. So yeah, to me, it was really powerful. And I feel really grateful to have gone there because even now in this whole situation of COVID that it's some days are really tough and seeing the news can be heartbreaking, but I feel like I have all these tools and I am able to deal with my anxieties a lot better. So you feel like a super human in a way. It's weird that I have all these superpowers. That's such a fun way to put it. So like you mentioned, you're, not living in the center anymore. You've gone home to Nicaragua. And one thing that you've been doing since you've been outside of the the center is sharing your journey and sharing some of the tools and practices that have been supporting you through these beautiful illustrations that you create. So I'm wondering how your art has played a role in your own healing process. For sure. Before, even before going to the center, I would always come up with personal projects as a way to like deal with my frustration or anxiety. And I, I remember that like I didn't realize it then until now that like I started my recovery. I did a project called Project Letting Go, and it was I would write all these words that I, that would hold me and let them go by creating um, 
typography out of objects. So for example, the word slim, I wrote it with like bacon and like uh, french fries and chocolate and the word like divorce, I would write it with like glue. And I didn't know then, but that was kind of really therapeutical doing it as well. So after I did, it's been a year since I'm out of Westwind and it was interesting because I could see that I wasn't creating as much because I think I knew how to understand because I started with new habits like journaling and reframing my negative thoughts and have been more compassionate that I that before I didn't know how to do those things. So I would do art as a way to like heal. And then now that I that I kind of started journaling, I was like, oh, well, I kind of want to make art. <laughs> so I started doing this illustration series called 100 Days of Brightness. And I'm only in 100 in day 28. I still have 73 to go. But um, it's been super fun because I'm challenging myself to do more illustrations and playing with color and hand-drawn typography. And at the same time, kind of like share a little bit through my journey, either like a story or a quote or an affirmation or a reframing exercise. And it's, it's, it's challenging to keep it up because some days I just don't have, I realize time goes by so fast and they do take me a little bit of time to make them, but, but it's so rewarding once I publish it and, and seeing how some people share it and some people like comment on it. So it's really nice to see how people connect to it. Yeah. It's definitely something where I feel like there's healing as you're creating it. And just for me, whenever I'm creating something, it can become almost a meditative process if I let myself really get lost in the process. But then like you mentioned how you have a little bit of that feedback loop where you're seeing, man, this thing that I created and shared is also supporting someone else in their journey. So thank you for sharing this personal project with all of us. Thank you. I am being mindful, though, that like being compassionate with myself, because this is where it's like the fine line of like, I didn't, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to have a hundred day project and actually have a number on it. Because then you end up creating to kind of like you set yourself maybe a goal that sometimes can be hard to accomplish. And, and then you can be really hard on yourself if you don't follow through. So I'm being really mindful of like not putting so much pressure and being mindful of my self-care practice as well, you know, like, so, so so that's why some days, some weeks, it's been like two weeks that I haven't posted anything. So, but it's because I'm being mindful. I'm like, okay, I don't want to force it. Like I'm not feeling it right now. I don't want to be too over, too stressed out about it. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who runs a self-care company, I definitely feel you on that where it's that that balance of like, yeah, I want to create this thing and share it with the world and empower other people. But I also have to make sure that I'm not doing it at the cost of my own well-being and self-care. So I love that you've been giving yourself a lot of grace throughout the process. Yeah, it it's a hard line. And, and then there's parts of it that you're like, well, am I being too like lazy? And then that's like your inner critic saying like you're being lazy, but you're not being lazy. You're just, there's other things that you need to do. And yeah, it's just being compassionate about it, which is tricky sometimes. It is. 
So now I want to go into the lightning questions. These are the questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. What's something that you've learned recently that you're excited about? I love, so my mom, my mom has two businesses that are closed down right now. She has a jewelry store and a bed and breakfast. So now she has a lot of free time and she's come up with all these craft projects and I end up joining her because I'm like, you know what? This is a time. I don't know when I'll have the chance to spend time with her making crafts. So I'm just going to do it with her. And it's been so much fun. And we've come up with really cool little projects that are made with things that we find around the house and just paint them or pieces of fabric. So yeah, I, I, it's gotten me to reconnect with doing craft and things by hand, by hand and how rewarding it's been to see something, uh, create something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people are learning that right now as we start to, you're like, I've been staring at a screen all day for work or for Zoom or whatever. And so everyone's getting excited to make something with their hands. Yeah, it is. What's something that you're in the process of unlearning? Um, I think definitely the being hard on yourself it is something that I'm unlearning I mentioned it earlier but like I start my day with like writing my gratitudes writing um celebrating my wins even if it's like drinking water and showering and getting dressed that's a win and then before COVID I would I would do this once a week or twice a week like I would feel I would start feeling really anxious or I would feel that I couldn't concentrate and that those to me were the moments that I'm like okay I need to spend time rewrite write like identifying what's in my head and like writing down all my thoughts and then kind of like reframing into more positive thoughts but now that we're in COVID-19 I realized that I have I've been doing this every day like I allow space in my journal to write what's going on in my head and it's been so interesting to see how how mean we can be to ourselves and how hard we can be to ourselves so I'm I'm unlearning to do that by getting into the practice of writing a positive thought instead and it's it's such a powerful tool like as soon as I do it I feel like a huge weight or cloud has been lifted of my head and it's really it's really powerful and and I see the difference now like I think there's less thoughts less negative thoughts and it was really cool for me to see at the beginning when I started doing this practice a lot of the thoughts were about my body and food or shaming myself for eating too much or for eating something that was quote-unquote unhealthy or shaming my body of how fat I looked in this photo or et cetera. But now I can, I see the shift. It's less about food and body and it's more about, let's say being lazy or being not so productive. And, but, but the, the key to me is like to be able to give myself space to write them and then pass them into positive. And as soon as I do that, it's kind of like you remove power on this inner critic that we have. I take away power from it and my positive self is more predominant. And that's been really beautiful to see because I don't think, I mean, I've always been a positive, optimistic person, but with myself, I would be really negative and really damaging to myself. Mm. So 
it's been really cool to see the shift in a year. Yeah, it reminds me of that concept of like there being two wolves and it's like your your light side and your dark side and the one that grows is the one that you feed. So how you're really feeding those positive thoughts and not giving much weight to the negative ones. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. On feeding the negative thoughts, that's a good way of putting it. And my last question is my favorite one. And it's what's a way that you've grown that you're proud of? Um, I think I'm super proud of, well, I mean, I'm really proud that I put myself into this place and really shift, even even being okay with my body being different, right? Like I've, I've gained weight and I'm okay with it. And I'm super proud of that because if you would have asked me four years ago, I would have been terrified of being the size that I am. So I would say that that's one of the things that I'm really proud of and, and removing the importance that we give to body image and, uh, and food and putting that focus and energy into something more meaningful. That's beautiful. So if people want to follow along with you and your journey, and if they, they want to follow along with your 100 Days of Brightness, where can they keep in touch with you? You can just follow me on Instagram at Alejandra Porta. So A-L-E-J-A-N-D-R-A-P-O-R-T-A. And it's the same on Instagram and Twitter. I'm a lot more active on Instagram. And the hashtag for the 100 Days of Brightness is just hashtag 100 Days of Brightness. Awesome. Well, I know that my Instagram feed is a little bit brighter anytime that you post in it. And I hope that other people will be inspired by how you're sharing your healing journey as well. Thanks so much for being on the show, Ali. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com. 